I want to talk about the things that I need to be careful of and the things that I want us to be careful of as we go forward in our walk with God. It's very important that as we walk through the things of God, we stop and we you know, take inventory of who we are, where we are. Sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes God doesn't allow us to see. Or I don't know if he, I only say he doesn't allow us. I, I want to be careful with making statements like that. I think sometimes we're just not, we're just unable to see what God has done and is doing in our lives, you know, from the perspective of where we are. You know, usually it takes other people looking in from the outside to say to you, wow, you know, you, you, you're really this. And then you go, oh, I am? Wow. I didn't realize that. Anybody other than me bear witness to what I'm talking about? Like it takes other people sometimes. And that's a beautiful thing because the Bible says, don't exalt yourself, you know, don't you don't, don't praise yourself, but let another man praise you. Jesus put it like this. He said, when you come into the banquet, don't go sit at the head of the table where somebody greater than you will come and they'll make you go sit in the back. But instead he said, you go sit at the end of the table, at the back of the table and let the host come in and recognize you and say, what are you doing back there and bring you to the front? And that way you're not shamed, but you get glory. And I remember always trying to go to the front of the room. Now, I check myself now very strong on that. And I'm going to tell you why. Because my natural inclination, because I am a leader, is to step forward to lead. People that have leadership in them, you know, they, they'll sense that. Like, I see something's not being done. And so I'm going to step in and do it. There's a way to do that without usurping the authority of that person who is in charge or who is leading. You can step into your role in leadership and you can step in with power and, and confidence. You shouldn't shrink yourself lower to make yourself not intimidate somebody. If that leader is that intimidated, then he's not a leader and you don't need to be around him or under them. But you should feel confident enough to say, without bringing a bunch of attention to myself, I see that this needs to be fixed and I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And one of the things I'm very comfortable in, and I've learned it over time, sometimes I went too far, is I could sit in the background and not need shine and not care if I'm acknowledged. And um, But I prefer that because God exalts. Now, here's what I want you to pay attention to. But you shouldn't stifle the natural gift in you to lead when the opportunity shows itself to lead. Now, I'm going to give you an example of what not to do. I remember I was working in a church one time and I was in the leadership and I was helping out. And his brother came in, he joined the church. At the end of service, he was putting chair, he was helping everybody put the chairs away. And he called me and acknowledged, look, I'm putting the chairs away. And I was like, okay, why did you feel the need to point it out? He's not the only one putting chairs away. It's been people been putting chairs away long before he ever came to church. And you know, there are other people putting the chairs away with him right now. So why is he making that a point? Because he is trying to obtain leadership without being recognized for leadership. See, there's a difference when you try to put yourself in and obtain it versus when your spirit and your flow and, and, and your ability 
puts you in the place of leadership. Leadership is not about intelligence all the time. It's not about um, a lot of insight all the time in terms of how everything works, but it's definitely insight and ability to find the people that work best in situations and then put people in the places that they belong. And to be strong enough to not be intimidated when somebody in your ranks rise up strong as or stronger than you in terms of getting something done and saying, then let me let them go ahead over there and let them flow. I don't ever try to squelch anybody in my organization that comes stronger as long as they're respectful and they're not stepping on everybody else's toes. I might even let them step on mine a couple of times, but I'm not going to let them step on everybody else's. It's out of line. When the Bible talks about forced prophets, the Bible talks about people who exhort themselves, who stand up there and try to tell you, I'm God's man, I'm God's woman, I'm called by God, I got the word of God, I'm the most holy this and any other. Carry my Bible when I come into church, do this for me. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, I was in the church and I, you know, I see, I've seen so many things in the throughout being in church. And that's why I don't travel to churches and preach and stuff. There's a lot of stuff. I just want to be bothered with the, 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 the junk. And we came into this church and I guess the pastor wanted, I was on the stage as a speaker with a bunch of other pastors. And I guess the pastor wanted this specific seat. So he sent this young man up to the seat. Um, I came up to the seat and he said, no, 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 my pastor's sitting here. That's okay. And he got down on his knees in front of the seat and did his whole whatever he was doing, his Hail Marys. I don't know what heck he was doing and prayed over the seat so the pastor could come and sit and, and do the thing. And I was like, maybe the pastor need to be over here praying over the seat. But okay. And then he helped his Bible at the edge of the stage. When he came, he handed it to him so majestically. And I went, that's a lot of attention that the pastor brings to himself. No, it wasn't the pastor, it was the kid. No, he assigned that man to do that. And he made sure that man did it in sight and view of everybody around so that everybody could see, you know, all the man needed to do was like um and come to America, run in front of him, throw rose petals on the ground, you know, as he came up to the platform. It, it was just that grandiose. And I just came up, sat down. I didn't have no, you know, armor bearer, you know, running up and, and doing my stuff. Armor bearer is a big phrase in church. I get it. But David bore his own armor. Um, he didn't have somebody running in front of him carrying his armor for him so he could just put it on when it's time to look like he's about to fight. You know, it's a lot of things that go on in religion that take the focus off of the God in you and push the focus on the you and God. Oh, I'm a mighty woman, a man of God. Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, and you can use it in business. You can use anything. That person who's always trying to make sure they're the biggest thing in the room. They're trying to make sure everybody sees them. And if they're going to take over and lead and fix the situation, they got to announce it like the brother said to me, look, I'm fixing the, look, I'm putting the chairs up. Real people of God in the Bible usually don't know a lot of times never knew what their full worth and potential was. They just knew they had a calling. They didn't, they had a tendency not to know their power. They had a tendency not to know their effect on people. 
they had a tendency not to know how great they are at times because their focus was more on, I'm a servant of God. And the person who's in the mind and the heart of a servant has a tendency not to look at the throne and not realize they're on the throne until they're put there. And then they look around and go, wow, how did I get here? Um, so I want to talk about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm going to start at verse 1. Title of this message is, Are You For Real? Are you for real? Because we can read this and we can look at the false prophets that the Bible is telling us to be aware of. But I want to approach this from the, from the position of, let's make sure we're not in the category of these false prophets. But I'm not a prophet. If you out there representing God in anywhere, you out there doing anything where you should be representing God and your representation is false, this fits you. Just because you don't take the title prophet doesn't mean that you can be in a place that you don't represent the kingdom that you say you represent falsely. Hmm. Do I get a head nod or amen or thumbs up or, you know, this is real talk. I know you're looking at me real, real serious and intent, but intense, but this is real, real, this is serious, you know, and this is one of the things I like to kind of judge myself by. So he says in verse one, I hope you will put up with me a little bit in my foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure version to him. But I'm not afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray, listen close, from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And I, I want to I make sure I read that verse again so it sits in verse 3. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray and from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So he's talking about, look at, listen to me. He's not talking about people who are intentionally doing evil or doing wrong or out to do with that which is opposed to God, but people who have pure and sincere devotions and intentions that can sometimes get led astray. We can get led astray by ourselves. We can get led astray by others. Let's go on. Verse four. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than he which we preach, or you receive a different spirit from the spirit which you've received or a different gospel from the one that you've accepted, you put yourself, I mean, you put up with it easily enough. So he's saying you, you can get tripped pretty easy. So let's keep going. I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have the knowledge. 
I want you to read that again. I may be indeed untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. Paul's making a point here. He's saying, listen, I'm acknowledging that I'm not a good speaker. He's acknowledging that. He's acknowledging that. Are you listening to me? This is the man who God used to write two-thirds of the New Testament, expressing an insecurity right here. Are you feeling a little bit better? The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the Bible, is writing and speaking to the people saying, I know I'm not a good speaker. I know when I come to speak, you don't line up for me at the doors and you don't, you know, you know, take up all the oil. I get it. I don't speak as good as I should, in a lot of yours' opinion, at least in his own mind. But in the mind of God, he spoke pretty darn well because God used him. So just because you don't feel good about your abilities doesn't mean God still doesn't have the plan for you. Can somebody say amen? Okay, now. He said, I, listen, I have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to, to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to free you of charge? I mean, to you free of charge? Was it, a, was it a sin for me to lower myself and elevate you by preaching the gospel to you free of charge? He went on to say, I have robbed other churches by receiving support from them to serve you. So he's saying, listen, I've taken the offerings that I received from other ministries just to keep this one going because I have to give you guys something for free. Obviously, they weren't supporting. This is not what the message is about. But I want you to see what a person who says, listen, I'm willing to do what it need, what, what needs be done to help you get where you need to be, even if it doesn't benefit me. I'm pointing out some things here over these next couple of weeks that I need us to lock on to. God has called us to be servants to him. Not to people, but to him. And in being a servant to him, we then serve people. There's a balance here. We're not supposed to be bowing down to other people and kissing their feet and letting them treat us like crap. Nowhere in the Bible tells us to be abused. But we do submit ourselves to God and in doing that, there are things that we'll do for others that others will consider and think they're getting over on us. But because we know we're doing it for God and not for them, God's grace, mercy, and love protects you. But when you do it for the recognition of others, you put yourself in a place to be let down by others. God called us to be led by his spirit to do the things he called us to do for his calling and purpose and let the chips fall where they fall. God has you. I hope this is encouraging to somebody. I know you've done stuff for people and you feel like they took advantage or they tried to take advantage or they tried to use and it's fine. But if you did it for their love and respect and appreciation and all of that, then when they turn around on you, that's a painful thing. But when you do it and because God called you to do it and you know you did it with the heart of God, and a lot of times you won't even notice that they're doing it. You, it would go right over your head. 
Sometimes it won't make any difference to you at all because even if it does, you can stop and say, but God, I did what you told me to do. And what they choose to do with it is their problem, not mine. That's between you and them. You see, you relinquish your hold on people's response to you when you know you did what God called you to do. Because when you know you did what God called you to do, if they act the way you want them to act, great. If they don't, great. If they receive it, great. I use this analogy all the time. A postman comes and he drops your mail to you. He don't stop and wait for you to open it and see if you like the bill and if they overcharge you and you know wait for you to take the letter back. That's not his problem. The mail is left with you. What you do with the mail once you get it is between you and the person who sent it to you alone. He's not there with you when you call in the electric company saying you overcharge me. That's not his position. His position is to deliver mail and leave. As a servant of God, your job is to deliver mail. That's your job. And you don't wait to see if they respond well to it. Sometimes you just get up and leave and let them and God work it out. I've seen people, I've done it myself, give somebody a word from God, and then when they react negative to it, then they try to soften it or turn it around or try to pull back or try to, you know, alter it a little bit so that it's not so rough. And thereby you sticking your, your nose in business that don't belong to you. You're putting yourself in a place to become a false prophet. You give in a message, you share in the word, and then you give in what God gave you to give. And now you stand around and see how they respond. Well, if I say that they may not like me, well, then that means you're not in your, you're not in your proper place. Your proper place is to do what he's called you to do then get out of there. Come on, let's get to some more of this. Um, he said, and when I needed, and when I was with you and needed something, I was not even a burden to anyone. For the brothers who came to me from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to any of you in any way, and I will continue to do so. And that's the way I've tried to live as a pastor to this day. I have businesses. I do things. I don't have to be begging the church for 50 offerings to keep a roof over my head because my roofs are secure. And God has blessed me with that, that I've never had to live or die off of church offerings. And I praise God for that. And that's not a boast, which we'll get to. We'll see. And as surely as, and as, surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the region of, I think that's, I don't know how to pronounce it. Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Watch. Why? Because I do. Why? Because I do not love you. God knows I do. And I will keep doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want the opportunity to be considered. Watch this. Equal with us in the things that they boast about. For such people are false apostles, false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. This is not surprising then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Now, I'm making a point of this for a reason. Many people will talk about 
oh, he's a false prophet because they don't like the way somebody preaches on TV. Or he's a false prophet because he just, he's a false prophet. And, 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 and the word here where they, the scripture they're misusing to their own benefit is very clear. These people come, they put an emphasis on themselves. They put an emphasis on what they're doing. They put an emphasis on you knowing what they're doing, and they put an emphasis on benefiting of what you're doing. When you are being used and led or in leadership, are you doing it to be noticed, to be observed, to be recognized, to be praised, to be clapped, to be applauded? Or are you doing it because it's the Father's will, even if it doesn't bring you attention or money? And... I can't say this enough. Seed time and harvest is a real thing. And seed time is not a time for celebration because nobody sees what you're sowing. And the bottom line is in the sowing process where you got to plow before you sow and you got to dig up the old junk and you got to put in the new stuff and then you got to put the fertilizer or manure with your hands all in the ground and you got to stir that all in and you got to smell the stink that goes with it. And sometimes the workers don't show up to help you. So you got to get out there and you got to plow by yourself and you got to dig by yourself and you got to water by yourself. And the scripture said, though you sow in tears, you reap in joy, you cry because you're up all night and you're back and you understand what I'm saying and nobody's acknowledging you and nobody's paying you and nobody's and if you want a small harvest then you plant a tree go for it but if you want a big harvest then you plant a bunch of trees and that's a lot more work and what I'm trying to say saints is this in that time what you do in the private Jesus said what you do for to be seen you already have your blessing of the men who praise you the stuff you do in quiet that nobody sees, God will reward you openly. A false prophet is people who do things for attention, for admiration, for adulation, for people to recognize them, for people to acknowledge them, for people to point out what they did, for people to give them a pat on the back for everything they did. And if they can't get acknowledged for doing it, they don't do it. And that person is a false prophet. They're a false believer. They don't walk right. And they never see the reward of God like they're supposed to. I'm saying this to you for this reason. I've always tried to, even in my businesses and my business partners, stay in the background and not be the person all up front. I didn't really care. And I still don't. Because for me, it's like, God, if I'm doing what you told me to do, when it's time for me to, to reap my harvest, I will. And this harvest is that I've reaped under the table that I didn't even know I had until later on, after I moved out to Florida, started getting a hold of my bank accounts going, wait, I didn't even know I had this kind of money. And I'm going to tell you this. God has called you to a place of pure service, pure commitment. To who? To him. And if you do that without trying to get everybody else to look at you and everybody else to acknowledge you and everybody else to love you and everybody else to pat you on the back, God said that every word of that is there's a harvest. So he's saying, I took money from this place to put into this thing. Because you guys were too cheap to support. He didn't say it, but he said it was nice about it. He said, you're cheap behinds. I didn't want you to be able to say that you did anything for me 
That that listen, that had to come from something. They must have been running their mouths and saying something. He's just coming here because he just want to get an offering. You know what? I even want an offer from you. I bought an offering from Macedonia. I took from them and did it here. So just keep your offering. I've spoken churches and they say about offering. I said, don't, don't even just keep it. I already see what kind of people you are. Just keep your offering. I don't even want it. Because I know that God provides. So here's my thing. Friends, family, I don't care who it is. When you do what you do, don't do it for their praise. Don't do it for their acceptance. Don't do it for their love. Don't do it for any of that. Do what God has called you to do. And that's what's done in secretly will be blessed open. And that's what's done under the table will be shouted from the rooftop. The Bible makes it very, 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 very clear. Everybody that's with you is not for you. So you have to come to the realization that when God is calling you into great things, sometimes your light burns people's eyes. They don't want to see it. You know, I was talking to Nelly today and I was like, Nelly, how many of your friends and family who say they see your Instagram and talk about it, do they like and comment? No. Do they subscribe? Not really. Who are these people? You follow what I'm saying? But you keep doing it because they're not the audience. The audience is those million people that you don't even know. But we do everything trying to get the attention and the love and the focus of the people that's right in front of us. And those are not the people God called us to. So you may have to take your Macedonia money and go over to that other place that God has called you and sow your seed there and know you're not getting a harvest for it from them, but know that you're getting the harvest from God. That's the focus. That's the kingdom. And those are the kingdom principles. So when we talk about a false prophet, make sure we're not one. We're not doing it for the love and adulation of people. We're not doing it for recognition and praise for the men and the women that are immediately around us because they may not be the people. God is preparing you for a people and he may use the people that's around you right now, but they're not the people you call to and you don't look for your reward from them. You look for your you look for your reward from God and that's what makes you a true prophet and that's what makes you a true leader and don't let people try to call you a false prophet because they don't agree with your doctrine. You're a false prophet because you're getting all on people's page on the internet trying to make comments so you can get a bunch of likes for what you said. So you're trying to draw attention to yourself. That person is the false prophet. The real prophet is out there doing the work of God and not trying to bring any attention to themselves. And the attention that comes to them, God brings that attention. Amen. It works that way in your business, your life, your finances, and everything else. Seek ye first, we did last week, the kingdom of God and right standing with him and all these things will be added. The issue is not in what you're going after, it's what your heart is seeking. What your heart is seeking will be manifested in your life, in your pocket, and everything else. And your heart seeks God, all the things will be added. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.